What was the best gift you've ever received for Christmas? A sloth. A sloth? Why was it your the best gift? And who gave it to you? Mom. What is the worst gift you've ever gotten for Christmas? A beaver. Why was that the worst gift? I did not like beavers. I don't like beavers. Who gave it to you? Nobody. <laughs> well, welcome if you are watching online or you're here in person with us. We just want to welcome you here today. At this time, all kids age three through grade three can be dismissed. We are gonna all be jealous of you because you're all having Christmas fun out there. But for the rest of us, the Christmas countdown has begun, right? Who's excited? All right, that's, I mean, I didn't really know what to expect with that question to be honest with you. Christmas looks a little bit different this year. I think we can all agree to that. It's been, a little bit crazy. I think thinking back to 2019, it's, it's not really funny, it's more ironic and a little sad. Thinking about how we were all going about our lives, doing our thing, planning crazy holiday get-togethers with friends and family, looking forward to all the things to come, and even announcing things like innocently, like, oh, 2020, it's going to be the best year yet. The year I'm going to do all the things. This is going to be my year. <laughs> oh, little did we know. Little did we know that less, well, maybe about two months later, we would all be caught up in a worldwide pandemic. It's no surprise that Christmas looks different this year. I know for Justin and I and our family, it looks quite a bit different. Normally after Christmas Eve services, we'd all be bundling up, getting into the car. We'd bring our Frenchton Ovaltine Jenkins and we'd have... One baby with us this year, it would have been two babies. We would have been packed in the car with gifts and luggage and heading down to New York to drive all night to get to our parents' houses. Sometimes there would be a blizzard, sometimes not. I love the blizzard. I think it adds to the ambiance. <laughs> Justin does not, and he's the one driving, so I think he wins. So, I mean, normally we would just, we would end up snugly in the bed at one of our parents' houses in the guest room. And... That's not happening this year. This year, it's going to be a COVID Christmas. It's going to be Justin and I and Henry and June and Ovaltine Jenkins. And I, you know, I really can romanticize that quite a bit. I can reframe our situation, and we are going to make the best of it. But if I'm being fully honest with you guys, like, we're sad. We're sad to not experience Christmas with family for the first time ever. Like, no matter where we've lived, we have always come home for Christmas, and so this is the first Christmas ever we won't be with our, our siblings and our parents and waking up to them on Christmas morning. So we're all a little bit sad. It's different. And maybe you're feeling that way too. Maybe you're really sad right now. Or you're at least feeling that kind of dull ache of sadness in this Christmas season. Maybe you're honestly mad. <laughs> maybe you're discouraged or angry or frustrated or disappointed. And honestly, that would be understandable. I've felt every single one of those emotions this Christmas season and all year. It's going to be hard not seeing loved ones if you're worrying about somebody who might be compromised in their immunity, if they are struggling with something, or you're, you're fearful for yourself, or you just can't see those same family members that you look forward to hugging year after year. It's going to be challenging. But... 
Today, we are finishing our series, the Best Gift series, if you can't tell, for, or not finishing it, we might have, no, this is the last one. It's crazy, time flies in December. But we have been talking about these gifts that we, we get to receive because of Jesus, because of him coming as a baby to the manger and what he provides for us. And today, we are gonna talk about joy. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, no, there's no way. And maybe you're like me and you're like, how do you find joy in 2020? How do you find it amidst all of these problems and this chaos and this pain? We need to ask ourselves how to dig deeper. How do we find and cultivate this joy that can only be given really through Christ, but it has this transformative power that we can lean into? So today, we're going to dive in. We're going we're gonna to struggle through it. And we're going to learn about this group of people that I believe demonstrate joy in a profound way. They're a group of people who know what it's like to, to be challenged, to be struggling on a journey to see Jesus, to strive for joy, and that's going to be the wise men. So we are going to pick up in the gospel reading today, and we're going to just learn to live in that balance of hoping things will get better in the future while simultaneously finding joy and hopefully keeping it in the present. So Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called for a meeting with the wise men, and he learned from the time the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. When you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child and his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod. Man, just to be honest with you guys, I haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about the wise men growing up. I don't know how. They come up every year. They're always a part of the nativity scene. But I just haven't spent enough time thinking about who they were as people, what they did as a career. I never thought about how long they traveled to see Jesus, and I definitely never thought about how radical it would be for these esteemed men from another religion and culture to, to go and find and worship this baby king of the Jews. Like, that is a really strange concept. So I want to just spend a little time unpacking some of this. So scholars overall agree to a couple different things. One is that wise men would usually refer to, to court magicians or astronomers, philosophers of some kind. And in this case, most agree that they were most likely astronomers. And I think that points out a couple really cool things that we might have not taken the time to notice before. God used their, their source of influence, their medium of influence, a star, astronomy, and guided them all the way to Bethlehem. 
He literally met them where they were at. He met them in what they did, and he followed through and he pursued their heart. I think that's fascinating. Another thing we can figure out by this passage is that Jesus was actually between six months old and two years old, not a baby like we see in the manger. And we can kind of figure this out by a couple things. First, they refer to him as a small child, not an infant. And also Herod did a lot of math trying to figure out what babies he needed to murder to protect his throne. And he decided that the star appeared roughly two years before. So he wasn't going to take any chances. And he was going to eliminate all of the people in search of his throne, trying to find Jesus to eliminate him. So we can assume that Jesus was in fact between six to 18 months old, most likely. And the reason I'm pointing this out is because I think it's fascinating. We've never spent that much time thinking about how these wise men traveled so far. They traveled for six to 18 months to meet this child. And they didn't just come from their countries in the east to to meet him and give him gifts. They came and they bowed down and they worshiped to the king of the Jews. There are really so many lessons we can pull out of this passage. There are lessons about intense curiosity that we could benefit in our faith walks. Every day, if we had the intense curiosity the wise men had, we would benefit. We have examples of just their expectation and their patience to see this journey unfold before them, the mystery of this journey unraveling. And we honestly have so many examples of their risk and their their resilience. Matthew Henry is a commentator, and he speaks of their perseverance like this. They might have said, if such a prince is to be born, we shall hear of him shortly in our own country, and it will be enough time to pay our homage to him. But so impatient were they to be better acquainted with him that they took a long journey on purpose to inquire about him. Note, those who truly desire to know Christ and find him will not regard the pains and the perils in seeking after him. Then we shall know if we follow on to know the Lord. Their long journey, it would have been filled with so many ups and downs. We just don't take the time to really think about that. It would have been cold and sleepless nights, There would have been some animal attacks, some storms, hardship around every corner, but they persevered through it all to find joy. And I think we can learn a lot about that in 2020, how nothing meaningful ever comes without challenge. Like you think about women having children, for example, the labor, the excruciating pain, and oftentimes trauma that comes from that. And yet, as soon as they see that little face, it was all worth it. In fact, it was more than worth it. Some of, some of us choose to do it again. Or you think about conflict in relationships. I know my best friendships are ones that I'm able to be fully honest with and transparent in. And that means engaging in healthy conflict. And that's hard. That's persevering through a challenge in order to experience more joy. Or what about sickness? Aren't we all more grateful for our healthy bodies and the air in our lungs once we've recovered? Or COVID? As rough as COVID has been, I think a lot of us have learned a lot about gratefulness, about being thankful for what we are given. I know I've said and I've heard other people say, I'm never going to take for granted seeing my family and friends again. Or I'm never going to take for granted going inside without a mask and shopping ever again. Whatever the thing is, we've used sentences like that. Like, I'm never going to take this for granted again. I think food tastes better when you've been hungry. 
and blankets feel softer and cozier and warmer once you've been outside shoveling snow. So though the wise men have so much to teach us about perseverance in relation to joy, how nothing meaningful really truly comes without challenge, I want to focus on today what happened after they arrived in Jerusalem when the majority of their long trek is over and they're headed toward Bethlehem. The central characteristic I see in the disciples is just this heart position of gratitude. I believe cultivating gratitude in our lives is the central component to not only finding joy in the first place, but keeping it there. Happiness is reliant on circumstances. I think we can all agree to that. But joy is reliant on cultivation. It takes time, it takes energy and focus and commitment and healthy habits to cultivate a spirit of joy in our lives. It's mindset over material possessions. We have to cultivate joy so that our circumstances, richer or poorer, sickness and in health, don't dictate our joy. A grateful heart leads to a joy-filled life. A grateful heart leads to a joy-filled life. So I want to focus in on that last part of the passage one more time. So we're going to read Matthew 2, 9 through 12 again, just so we can let it seep in. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child and his mother Mary and bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, he, they returned to their country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Matthew Henry sums that up by saying, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding joy. But then he adds, now they saw that they were not deceived and had not taken this long journey in vain. The wise men recognized the good news. They knew that without a shadow of a doubt, this, this God was for them too that he accepted them as well, even though they weren't Jewish, but that the same spirit who guided them with the star all the way to Bethlehem would be the same spirit who would sustain them and provide for them forever. They knew the baby was the answer, and they knew the baby was the hope of the world, that the reward for worshiping Jesus far outweighed the pain of the journey. They now had access to this sustainable, lifelong joy that we have access to, and they made the choice. A grateful heart leads a joy-filled life. Henry Nouwen says it like this, and I think it sums it up so well. Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose it and keep choosing joy every day. Like the wise men, we have to choose joy even in a worldwide pandemic, even when all seems hopeless and we see no end in sight. We must recognize our need for this savior, wrapped in cloths and snuggled in a manger. And we have to give him everything back, our, our gold, our incense, our myrrh, or in our terms, our worship, our lives, our gratitude. A joyful, a grateful heart leads to a joyful life. So how do we cultivate joy in our lives? When we wake up tomorrow morning and we turn on the news or look at our phones or whatever mode we have, and surprise, COVID is still a reality. What do we do 
when we're still jobless or we still are stuck in another province from our family and we miss them terribly and we don't know when we're gonna get to see them again. I think we can all agree that we have felt the enemy wage war against the joy in our souls. So what do we do then? This week and the beginning of the week, oh man, I was struggling to come up with a story for this sermon. I, I was distracted. Every time I went to write, some, some Christmassy thing would come up. Not all good that you guys know. Christmas is amazing, and there's also the little tiny details that you're just always putting together. And I feel like things just kept distracting me. It's that time of year. It's busy. It's fun, but it's also a lot. And I just had writer's block, and I remember thinking, God, I don't know what to do. And he literally dropped it in my lap. Like, when I say literally, I mean literally. It came in the form of our dysfunctional, ugly, frustrating, irritating 2020 Christmas tree. Now, just to back up the story a little bit, when we were getting out of quarantine last Sunday afternoon, you know, we just, I need to pat myself on the back. We survived quarantine with no Christmas tree. I mean, okay, there, we have a tiny one, but it didn't bring the same joy, if you know what I'm saying. We didn't have our big, fresh Christmas tree that we could smell all over the house. And we made it, and we were also very desperate to get it as soon as we left. So we got out, but by the time we got to the Christmas tree farm, it was dusk. Like, it was getting dark rapidly. And I know you probably are all foreshadowing this and realizing, like, you guys are kind of dumb. Like, you shouldn't have gone that late at night. And just for any of you who have not learned already from my foreshadowing lesson, don't, don't buy a Christmas tree in the dark. You'll be disappointed. So we, we narrowed it down. We were like, okay, I think we found what we need. Let's just, you know, we're having fun. Let's just keep this momentum going. So we cut a tree, thrilled that it only cost $30. Like, I don't know where you guys all, all buy your trees, but last year we were gouged and we spent probably triple that. So painful. So we're thrilled. We're so, we're so pumped. We get home and immediately we were like, oh no, <laughs> this is not good. And we start realizing like this, what's going to happen? We shouldn't have been this thrilled about the money. So we, we try setting up the tree. It's just a disaster. There's like matted branches and like dead needles all throughout the tree. Like just, I was like, there are mice living in there. Like so creepy. Like you just felt gross. You're like, this tree is, I don't trust it. And so we try setting it up, but we just didn't even notice that the entire trunk was bent. Try putting it in, fell over at least three times that night. Just thing after thing, we didn't have a saw, so we couldn't cut it off the bad cutting job in the dark, of course, and we didn't have shears to like cut off all these dead branches. So we kind of leave it as is, just frustrated. We're like, we'll return to it the next day. I work all day, Justin wrestles with the tree all day. That night, we're like, we're determined we're gonna figure this out. So we bought shears, cut off a bunch of branches, you know, sawed the unusable part, probably two feet of unusable tree we sawed off. Like, it was bad borrowed saw, which is like, gotta get this going. So we're like feeling a little more confident, set up the tree, still falling over. We're like, okay, it's, the thing is too thin for our actual stand. It's a huge tree, but has a really thin trunk. So we're like, let's pull out our really old tree stand. Maybe this will work. Get our old tree stand out, fits perfectly, but then the weight of the tree snaps the leg. And we're like, you've gotta be kidding me. Like it was just thing after thing. So we're like, okay, well, Let's just make it work. Let's lean it against the wall. So, of course, we lean it against the wall. And we're like, we got to put the lights on. So the lights decide this is the year. None of them are going to work. And we're like, no. 
So, so discouraged at that point, like, let's just get this stupid tree up and we'll just add things every day and slowly put up our Christmas tree until it's time. And so it was just, it, it was just, guys, it was rough. If you were there, you'd be like, oh man, this is painful. <laughs> so at that time, Justin literally just vocally out loud is like, I didn't plan on spending my night like this. I mean, that was summing up what was in my head too. But right after he said that, he let go of the tree and the tree completely fell on me. And I'm like, you've got, this was the prickliest tree we've ever had, like ever. And so my arms are covered in rashes and I'm like, you did that on purpose. And he's like, no, I didn't. I, I just accidentally, and I'm like, so we bicker back and forth. And literally in, in that, it was like time was slowing down. It's like I could feel like God being like, this is the analogy you're gonna use. And I could feel that like spirit of peace of like, okay, I need to like back off my bitterness. This is crazy. So I remember telling Justin like, you're acting more like the Grinch than Santa. And we start like giggling, you know, like just, okay, this is ridiculous. This stupid tree isn't going to steal our joy. But it was just one of those nights. It was a crazy night. So I'm just sitting there thinking like, just amazed. This, this 2020 Christmas tree, it, it just, it sums up the year, doesn't it? Just like bad news after bad news, <laughs> just unmet expectations, this troubled tree. And so analogies are flooding my mind, and I just say to Justin out loud, God wanted us to have this dumb tree. <laughs> you see, we rushed the process. We are seeking quick happiness, but all of us know quick happiness isn't sustainable. We just wanted some light, some magic, some, some spark in our house, right? But what we forgot is that quick happiness isn't sustainable, and what that usually means is it's not life-giving. In fact, it can be life-damaging. Like, it is funny in retrospect, it wasn't that night, that I had the tree fall on me. But, like, if it had fallen on June, that wouldn't have been good. If it's life-damaging, why do we want it? So as frustrating as this tree became, it actually started with, like, a really innocent hopeful desire, like we just wanted some spark, but it became this frustrating, agonizing journey that took us away from everything else we needed to do for multiple nights, including me just sitting, I like, I like working at night sometimes because it just, it's just my time, I'm a night owl, and so I just like to get it all out, and it took us away from doing all those things, it was like 11.30 while we just got the tree set up, not even anything on it. What if instead of rushing through 2020, like the calendar flip is going to miraculously save us, what if we took time and we tried to live like the wise men, being grateful for every opportunity God has given us, all those little gifts, the sound of laughter, the smell of cookies baking in the oven, watching snow fall outside the window. I know there has not been enough of the white stuff this year. I'll be the first to admit that. You know I love snow. I'm sorry for those of you who don't, but there hasn't been enough snow. Maybe that'll help. It's like pouring down today. It's so great. But if we are just thinking about what we have to be grateful for, how much will that shape us? Our disappointing tree was just icing on the cake of 2020. It was just, of course, a perfect representation of those unmet expectations. But in those moments of frustration, we are able to slow down time and, ca and catch ourselves in that act of ungratefulness, to process our anger and to laugh and realize God had given us so much. So this week, when you find yourself complaining, fill that space with praise. When you find yourself worrying 
Fill that space with wonder. Wonder at this infant king, this God incarnate who came to dwell among us. What if we as a church family were able to live these joy-filled lives? Like how attractive would that be to the world, to our, our own communities? When the Jews ignored the star, they knew the prophecies. They had the opportunities. When the Jews ignored the star, the wise men traveled six to 18 months to find this baby king. Will we be like that? Will we plow forward with peace and grace and joy in our midst, in our wake, that other people around us will be filled by that? As we keep our eyes on Jesus, who is guiding us the whole way. 1 Peter chapter 1, 6-9 through nine says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. So Justin and I kept our Christmas tree. We could have gotten a new one, but we kept it as a reminder, a reminder of a rough night, a reminder of the gifts God gives us, a reminder of our present circumstance of COVID, of this COVID Christmas a reminder that no matter how hopeless things seem, how frustrating and exhausting and disappointing, that by his grace, we've made it to this place again. We've made it to Christmas to celebrate Jesus, wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Keeping this tree, you can put up the tree with little Junie in front of it. This was this morning. <laughs> She's happy. She doesn't know what happened. <laughs> keeping this tree is our version of being like the wise men of learning how to hope for better things in the future while simultaneously finding and keeping joy in the present a grateful heart leads to a joy-filled life when the enemy tries to steal your joy you combat that we respond like the wise men and praise God worship him give us give him all we are because he's given all he is my favorite passage from in the Christmas story realm in the Gospels is from Luke 2, verses 8 through 12. And I'm just going to finish with this because it's so hopeful and we all need to hear that right now. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring a great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloths, lying in a manger. This is the good news, that Jesus came to dwell among us, that he came to live with us, to heal us, to redeem us, to restore us, to die for us, to rise for us, Yes, angel, you have brought good news of a great 
and enduring a hopeful, a beautiful, a life-giving joy for all of us. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for bringing us to this place again. Thank you for bringing us to Christmas 2020. To bringing us through another Advent where we can be reminded that there is always, always hope. Thank you for the magic and the beauty of Christmas that you just remind us over and over again that there is joy to be found in you a lifelong, sustainable joy that no matter what we're going through, no matter the circumstances, no matter the family in the hospital or the friends that we can't see, the pain that we've been through, the jobs that we've lost, Lord, you are the hope of the world and we put all of our trust, all of our eggs into your basket, Jesus. I pray for everyone in this room, everyone watching online, that you would just fill us with a spirit of hope and a spirit of joy. That we would be able to shine like you in our communities and in our world, knowing nothing can steal our joy. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.